You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and you're about to listen to an interview between myself and Oscar from the band The Vintage Caravan. The reason for the conversation is to promote The Vintage Caravan's brand new release for 2018, Gateways. Let's have a listen to what Oscar has to say. Here we go. Ah, good. Thank you. How are you? Doing good? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, I know, I know you're from Iceland originally, but you live in you live in Denmark now, don't you? Uh, we've lived in Denmark. Uh, we lived there 2014-15, but we're relocated to uh, to Iceland. Yeah. Iceland, we, okay. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did two years there. Lived in my sister's uh, lower floor, you know, something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and then. Yeah, 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 and then we uh, we've had, we have a base in uh, in Belgium though. We uh, if we uh, for traveling, you know, doing weekend shows here and there, we okay. just stay in Belgium. Yeah, well, the point I was going to make, you'll probably laugh at me. It's about eleven degrees Celsius here at the moment. So coming from Iceland, I'm talking to the wrong person about the cold, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're in the same same sort of. Yeah, we have the same feeling. I think I think it's around the same here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, what do you do? It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. This this summer has been like crazy for all of Europe except for Iceland. So that's uh, oh, been the right. coldest summer actually in 100 years. So it's the coldest summer in Iceland, where it's been the hottest summer in continental Europe. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's super weird. Jeez. Yeah, God, who knows what the hell's going Something's on? Something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, sorry about the if you got some alarming messages earlier, like oh, I can't do it. Blah blah blah. I, I was. Uh, <laughs> I did a uh, thirty-three. It was a thirty-three-hour uh, airplane uh, airport fiasco thing I had going uh, yesterday, and uh, it oh, was uh, pretty rough. Yeah. It was super. What happened? Super horrible. Thirty-three hours. I don't know what exactly. Like yeah. So we did one flight, and that took. Took a while, and then we um, we got to Barcelona, in Spain, and uh, the people there were like, you know, we had should have been like, you know, already departed and everything, but you know, uh, but we were just still waiting, and we were like, well, what's going on? They're like, a oh, small technical thing, it will be no problem, and then like that took four hours, and uh, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 cancelled, and it's like, oh, oh, great, and then they sent us, you know. We have to go. We had to go like to an airport that was like an hour, like 75 kilometers away, and to get one and a half hours of sleep, and then go back in the uh, in the middle of the night, Jeez, like yeah. like and then like drive back, and then um, and then there we had like uh, you know our flight just didn't exist. You know it wasn't on the, on any screens. You know it wasn't delayed. It was just just didn't exist and we were like what's happening and the app said it was like going at <laughs> like oh, 12 and yeah. it wasn't there so it was not even listed and that kind of stuff and that just you know there was a protest we we actually participated in a protest at the airport we like blocked their <laughs> other lines and stuff yeah it was right. absolutely mental holy so, shit that sounds like an ordeal yeah, 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 yeah. It was weird. Security guards and stuff. It was, uh, it was weird. But, uh, but it all worked out in the end with a lot of delays and stuff. But you know, I think the flight where we actually went on just wasn't even listed, like legally. I think it just wasn't in the like data crowd. Like, so there's like three hundred of you or whatever there might have been, a hundred of you, and just waiting yeah, and saying, yeah. "Where's our flight going to, everybody? Where is it?" Yeah, exactly. We just waited in the lines for it because, like, they were, of course had other flights and they just weren't like really listening to us. So we just went to the fucking line and we just like, and they were like, "Next, please." And we're like, "Nope, nope." And they were like, "What?" And they were like, "No, answer us. Like, tell us, tell us something. What's going on?" And uh, they were just all just kind of like, oh. and then you know, the flight. Yeah, it was just, it was just super weird. You know, I can't treat Supposedly people like that. Nine, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, it was so, so weird. You know, it was so, so yeah. Everybody and like on top of all of this, they lost all of our luggage. Yeah, yeah that's when they do <laughs> so it. My too, guitars isn't it? are just somewhere. Yeah. Do you know where they are at all? Have they told you where, what country they're in? Or what they have not. They have not. I saw them in Spain. Oh, I saw mate. them outside of the plane, 
and they took one and a half hours to like they were like so yeah yeah we so we were taking so long here uh we're just getting all the all the luggage aboard and getting it all and it's all it's all gonna be fine and we're like oh okay so that's why it took like and it took like i don't know one and a half maybe two hours to till they were ready and they were like okay all the luggage is here and fine and then none of it arrived at the at the icelandic airport <laughs> It's just kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've I had a I wouldn't I didn't definitely didn't have an experience like you've just outlined. Uh, but yeah. my my experience I had was in the US, and I was talking to Mortis about this. Actually, we were talking about fun and games on on airlines, and I remember uh, in two thousand and one going to the states and got off the plane from Sydney and uh, yeah. Los Angeles was supposed to get a connecting flight just up the road to San Francisco. And there was some there was some sort of knock on effect from some snowstorms that were happening in the eastern states of the US and they took all of these planes off the board and exactly like what you're saying, none of the planes that, that the actual flight that you're supposed to catch came back up. So and I'm yeah. not what I explained to Mortis, which I'll say to you is and I know Iceland I've met a few people from Iceland, very polite, impeccable manners from Scandinavia and Iceland, and I like to think from Australia <laughs> we're the same. But the Americans yeah. are pushing each other out of the way to get to the front of this queue and standing yeah. back thinking, what the hell? Like, I'm not used to it. I'm not even used to being around that many people. So, um, no, exactly. you know, uh, there will be Americans that listen to this, nothing against them. It's just the way that the, the transport system is organized or what have you, you know. But it was yeah. very confronting at the time, especially because I was only about 20 or 21 at the time. And you're not really yeah, that confident. Exactly. But, no, exactly. But your yeah. experience just sounds like piss poor management really bad management yeah. to then bloody add insult to injury and lose your guitars, your prized possessions, your tools of the trade, yeah. so to speak. What are they exactly, going to do for exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely, it just absolutely sucks, you know, and, uh, you know, that's just, you know, it was, I still, I'm just still kind of like, don't know what the hell was going on, you know, it's like, as I said, like 33 hours of, of that kind of stuff. Pretty stressful. But I think, you know, it was pr pretty funny, though, like all of us, like in the it's pretty, actually kind of cool that we all just kind of formed like a community, like all the people that were going on to this flight. And we were just like, we're not going to take it. And like, it was just like. Mm. So yeah, that was going was from pretty... from um, Madrid or Barcelona into uh, Reykjavik. Is that how is that you say yeah. the capital? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Reykjavik. Okay. Reykjavik, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, that was from Barcelona till there. Yeah. We did a festival uh, Last weekend in uh, in the north of Spain, I did a, a festival called Tsunami, and uh, you know mm. the uh, Prodigy was playing in the hives, and yeah, it was really cool. Bad religion. Yeah. How were you received? Did, did, did people? I mean, you guys have got a really you got a wicked blues sound. So I take it that people mm. in Spain would have really taken to you because I know they're big fans of blues over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they like like the people of Spain have been super nice to us like always and. Uh, and uh, you know, unlike some you know, some countries, especially like Iceland, you know, they they really show that they're having a good time, you know, at a concert, you know, I can really tell, you know, uh, you know, uh, like sometimes in Iceland you like not get that much reaction, maybe, you know, like especially from you know certain types of people, like you know, like metalheads would just go to the our shows and like stand in front and just watch the guitar, you know, <laughs> my fingers on the guitar and yes. I'm like the do you, do you like what I'm doing? And they like, look super, super uh, pissed off looking. And then like after the show, they're like, yeah, really good job, man. Really good. I had a fantastic time. <laughs> I was like, what? what? Really? And yeah, that's was, that was, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Let's so, not, yeah. We, we don't want to show that we're enjoying ourselves too much during the performance, but we'll give you a pat on the back afterwards. A typical Yeah, thing, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk about the album. Okay, gateway. Yeah. So John sent me an email, and in yeah. the email, it states that people that are into the sword, I can definitely hear that, and I've spoken to one of the members of the sword before. Great band, I can hear references to. Yeah, the sword. yeah, they're really cool. Rival sons. Yeah, they're really cool. You know, you've yeah. got rival sons and they're Red Fang. I've spoken to one of those guys as well. Um, mm -hmm. Blues Pills, who I know about because I've interviewed Heidi and Pristine, so she told me about them, and yeah. Mastodon. Uh, they like mm. what you guys have done across there, but are they are they obvious references? And what else would you add to that? Uh, I think this those were all references that weren't wasn't didn't really come straight from us. But of course, I I like all of those bands, of, of course. But uh, uh, like 
and I mean, I think it, it all goes into like in my mind, it just all goes into one big, you know, pot that just kind of gets gets stirred together, and out comes what I play, you know. And I, I never, it's never really, a, never really, a, you know, when I write something, it's never really, a, like. Uh, I can maybe name you one or two examples where I was like, yeah, something, something like that song, like something that has the same kind of feeling to that kind of thing or something yeah. like that. But normally, it just it just comes out pretty naturally. But yeah, I I really I really enjoy. Uh, I think the sword is really cool. Yeah, I like like their they have they have some of the best guitar riffs that like are going today. I think they're all really interesting playing wise. Well, you've got uh, some so stellar riffs. You got bloody awesome riffs across this, so that's the thing. Riff-based blues and roll, I like to call it. I hope that's not too broad and yeah. descriptive, but that's that's certainly no. what it reminds me of. And cool. I think you'll yeah. find if ever you get an opportunity to come down here, mate, that your music will be really well received, particularly yeah, in uh, some of the sunnier climates. So north, I'm from Queensland, mate. So up here, mate, I could I just got this right. vision of you playing with a beach behind you. So I know that's completely yeah. the opposite to where you're from, but that's what I see. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll be super up for it. I hope we can, like, I hope we can come, uh, like, uh, hopefully next year. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'll come over to, you know, so that would be awesome. But, but yeah. How does it work yeah, on that front? Do you, do you get a lot of opportunity? Sure. Do you get a, Do you get a big say in which countries you go to visit, or does management and, and nuclear blast tell you where to go? Uh. Yeah, our our uh, management and uh, well, one of our managers. We have two managers. Well, uh, one of our managers used to be our booker as well, so oh, yeah. uh, book all of the shows. And but we recently signed to X-Ray Touring, and uh, they it's a pretty big company. You know, they have you know uh, Queens of the Stone Age. They have Eminem. <laughs> they have right. you yeah. know awesome. uh, Robbie Williams, and yeah, they have uh, cool. a lot of a lot of. Uh, a lot of big acts and that kind of stuff and you know uh, you know they i think yeah like we can like we can we can of course like say hey we want would like to go there and then they're like yeah if it, if it makes sense and it's like it's just mm. it's kind of all you know what makes you know um commercially sense and, and that kind of stuff you know of course like if it would be up to us we would be everywhere at the same time and like mm. you know going at it but you know I think uh, there's always more strict cheating. Uh, strict cheating. Yeah. Wow. I'm too, so yeah, I'm trying to drink my coffee so I can speak. But uh, no, you're right. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I think they're being trying to be smart about it. I think where we go. But uh, yeah, I would love to go to Australia and New Zealand and uh, yeah, do a tour there soon. Hmm. So. Yeah, you'd be really well received here, mate. I'm not just saying that. I wouldn't say it unless I oh, really cool. felt it would be the case. This sort of music, yeah. as you know, mate, Great. we have a very strong tradition in this country of what we call pub rock and yeah. ACDC, Cold Chisel. That stuff is still yeah. very, very popular, and you're in a similar vein. So yeah, exactly. the sales numbers, the problem with having management and, and record companies, the way that they look at things, of course, they, they can't really take punts because they can't lose out on too many investments. But a country yeah. like Australia, the sort of rock and roll that you're playing with, that's what we do. So yeah, he, exactly. heaps of bands, Turbo Negro, Helicopters, you guys do yeah. would do – I hope you guys do really well down here, and I'm proven correct, actually. It, it just depends on how mm -hmm. well we can – I mean, I'm part of it. I've got to try to get this out there and – and promote it, but you know the the interesting thing yeah. for me, mate, is because I host a podcast series. Most of my audience yeah. is in the USA. Um, okay. So I get a fraction of my listeners here in Australia. Well, you put it up on the internet, yeah. and most I, I I don't interview. I probably I've interviewed a lot more Australian artists recently, but overall, I've interviewed far more for outside of Australia from outside of Australia yeah. than in, within. So you you get the fans of the band listening, and they tend to be more of them overseas than there are in Australia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's also like us, we're bigger uh, outside of Iceland than we are in in Iceland, you know. So that's kind of, mm. you know, it's kind of... So we have the same thing going, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and let's talk about Iceland for a bit. So it fascinates me as a country. You've got to... Like, like us, mate, you made the World Cup and the soccer and you you probably didn't yeah. do as well as I thought you were going to do, a bit like us as well. <laughs> I thought we were going to do... Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but... Yeah, we have the... Yeah, it was, it was a fun experience, though. Fun, fun seeing fun seeing the guys doing like because we're, we're like i'm gonna be totally truthful now I, I, we're like all of us in the band we're not big 
football fans at all. But uh, watching your country play and, and that kind of sort of thing is like that was pretty amazing. You know, really, uh, really cool. It's pretty inspiring. But, yeah. yeah, it's pretty inspiring, yeah, especially sure. countries. I, I know the thing is, so we don't really play football much in here in Australia. People will say that we do, but I think we mm-hmm. we play rugby union, uh, Australian rules, rugby league, that sort of thing. That's what mm-hmm. the majority – people participate in yeah. soccer, but they don't participate in it professionally. So they might play. Like I've played no, heaps of soccer, but not professionally. It's just a fun no, game no, to play. Yeah. But yeah, you have a very small population and you punched well above your weight to get a team into the World Cup. And I think a lot of the world yeah. was inspired by that Iceland success. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, it's also, you know, I remember when we were doing, um, when we were in the EM, you know, in that, like in that uh, tournament, you know, we won against oh, yeah. England, yeah. England, you know, and that was like, most surreal thing ever we were in a bar in germany and we watched that thing and i mean you know it just go shows you like we did one photo of us like that we put on social media and we were like we won and uh, and that was like the most reaction we've ever had to anything that we've done you know on social media yeah you know okay. it was like yeah a lot of a lot of you know just yeah a lot of reaction to that and it's just you know as as like that's cool and but like it's at the same time you're like oh you know <laughs> yeah football always wins you know over oh, yeah my alarm clock is going off you're right no worries no worries yeah <laughs> I, how much how much am i the last interview that you've got of the things yeah have we got? yeah yeah I've, i have all the time okay sweet so, all right no, no worries. worries all right so i think as far as iceland's concerned musically as well and the cliche here is going to be Bjork because I think or Bjork, I think that's how you pronounce her, her name, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Um, she's about the only person that people outside of people like the regular person, the mainstream person, would know as a as a musician in the limelight from Iceland and the Sugar Cubes, mm. of course. I think her band was called the Sugar Cubes back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bjork, Bjork, uh, Bjork was in uh, Sugar Cubes, and I've, I would also say Sigurós is, you know, Sigurós is. Oh, yeah, one, uh, it's also pronounced yeah. Sigurós, you know. Mm. Depends. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, Sigurós is the the band that also like has done really good things for you know, as I see it, like for other Icelandic musicians, because like they kind of brought the like Bjork and Sigurós and also Solstavir, which is a uh, yeah, they're uh, brilliant. Like metal band. Yeah, they're yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I reviewed their album yeah. last year and I was so taken with it. It was about the best. I know it's not strictly black metal, but you know what I'm saying. It sort of is in no, that vein. Yeah, yeah. They have that label, you know, they had that black metal label and they've been trying to get rid of it ever since. You know, they're, yeah. they're like, we're not black metal. And people are always like, <laughs> they always have that black metal thing going because of some article or, or their first uh, uh, record label, I think they were like black metal and they were like, no. Or maybe their first album or two were kind of black metal and then they stopped. Hmm. But yeah, yeah either, way, either way, yeah, I think those bands, you know, they really did did a lot of good for other Icelandic, you know, they brought the, you know, you know, the media and everybody kind of looking towards Iceland like, oh, okay, what else do you have there? Yeah, so. but that that must be true for you guys too, because you're you're rather prominent given that you're signed to Nuclear Blast. That's an extraordinarily prominent label, probably the most prominent yeah. metal label around. But do you feel that yeah. pressure to represent Iceland like that, or is it just one of those things where oh, this is where we're from, but this is what we're playing? Yeah, I don't I don't think too much about it. Yeah, I think yeah, normally just you know we we just have fun playing, and you know we we just live for the music, and you know we just keep on doing that i mean i mean mean, you know we we try to keep the music you know as stress free as possible you know we try to keep that environment totally you know i don't don't think too much about iceland especially because like iceland didn't really care until we you know until we got you know until we got like some you know i'd say iceland like it's one big huge man or something but uh, and, uh, no. <laughs> i know what you're saying though yeah you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. yeah i know exactly this yeah. is it's a common thing a lot of the time not a lot of the time some of the time what happens in australia bands get big in the u.s and then they get yeah. where they've released an album or two in australia and nobody's given a shit and then the australian yeah. audience picks up on the success they've had in the u.s and wants to sort of get on that bandwagon and yeah, exactly. I've spoken to some of those bands on the down low, and they're like, "We don't really get it. We haven't changed at all, but because we're successful in the states, and now people ex- now people accept us." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's because it's also like also one of the problems with being like from a small, 
country is like when when you when you're like you know you know you know when because like people are like oh yeah Oscar oh yeah he's just oh here's the guy from the other town from my living oh, I'm not gonna check out the show because it just it doesn't seem I think one of the things is just like it has to be has to have some kind of charisma it has to have some sort of you know you know people have to go to see something if they're like oh yeah he nobody knows that man he's been uh, he's, uh, some, it has some mystery to it blah blah mm. blah but like it just nothing is mysterious in Iceland everybody knows everybody and it's like <laughs> that kind of feeling so you know I guess you know I guess I think when we got some success from outside of Iceland and then people were like oh yeah I, I always loved them and it's like what really <laughs> never came to any of the shows but yeah it's, yeah uh, it's interesting yeah it's it's a bit of that tall poppy syndrome that happens no matter where you're from isn't it mm-hmm you know, yeah, for sure. It's almost like also a... we've been doing it for so long as well. You know, we were playing. You know, we were like overdoing the scene like hard. You know, we were like playing every like from since I was thirteen, fourteen. You know, I started this band when I was like ten, eleven, or something. Yeah, like I read that. that. You were bloody and, young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm twenty three right now, and uh, and I, you know, so. Um, yeah, I uh, so I started. So I like from every weekend since I was like thirteen, fourteen. I I was playing in, like the bar, you know, just playing the bars, you know, you know, few like yeah, every weekend, every other weekend, doing two shows, and uh, so as from like two thousand nine until two thousand thirteen, we were doing like yeah, show every weekend or two. So hmm. that's a lot of shows and played a lot, and I think people were like <laughs> were probably getting sick of us. But that like all of that playing just made us. Uh, you know, much more, you know, just tighter as a unit, you know, so. Mm. So yeah. so growing up, were you, the, were you the bloke that could play all of the Led Zeppelin and Metallica riffs that people gravitated toward and asked to be in their band? Yeah, I mean, I was like, when I, I was, yeah, kind of. I, I used to go to the school with my guitar and uh, have, a, have a good time, you know, but uh, it was like, you know, but I, I was, it was always like, I don't know. It was, it, I was. I never saw it as like bragging or something. But some people were definitely like, yeah, bragging. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny, actually. But uh, yeah. But I remember when I was like ten or something like that. And I, uh, even nine, nine or ten. I remember that I could. I just figured out. I had like an epiphany. I was like, oh, I could start a band. Like the the bands that I'm listening to are just you know other people making music and i was like i'm mm-hmm. i'm people i can be i can do that <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh yeah and then i just i remember just walking around school the school area i was like who wants to join a band and and uh, ended up getting you know we were like five at first and then uh yeah then we were two and three and yeah it was uh, it's been been a fun ride and yeah i mean i quickly i was watching some old footage when I was like nine years old playing guitar first, like I, my dad did like uh, a video of me like every month to see like the progress I was making. It's really interesting seeing like how once you progressed, you know, on the guitar, the first two ones were really bad. But after that, I got, yeah, got pretty, but yeah, better. <laughs> I don't think people have an appreciation for how hard the guitar is to play because people like you make it look so easy and sound so easy. But the reality is, and this is the God's honest truth, I play the bass and I dabble in the guitar. I've, I've, I have played it as a stage instrument, but I'm just not really suited to it. The bass is, particularly five-string bass, is where I my sweet spot, if you like, because I like playing disco yeah, music and funk music. Yeah. And I play covers, so mm. we do Kylie Minogue covers and really nice. upbeat I pop lo- stuff. I love Kylie Minogue. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, stuff's cool yeah. to play. Really nice and interesting to play, I've got to say. Yeah. As a bass guitarist, anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's playing yeah, the guitar. Yeah, the guitar is... It's hard, man, yeah, isn't it? People don't have an appreciation yeah. of how difficult it is to get up to the level that you're at. Yeah, yeah, well, thank you. And But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's... Uh, especially because, like, the guitar is such a such a vocal instrument, in a way. You know, I think every every guitarist has kind of their own kind of voice you know i think and of course uh, you know every, every instrument has that aspect to it but i think especially the guitar because like just just especially how you just how you attack the string how you how you bend it you know because like mm. that's you know j- you could just kind of develop your own kind of voice for the thing you know there mm. uh, and there are just like only there, there are not many guitars that i i'm gonna say this like that i just i believe you know because like, like i i like believing when somebody plays something i'm like oh yeah, i understand like, yeah he, he, he mean he means that he, like 
that comes from a place you know within him you know and uh and i think i think the hardest thing about playing guitar is just reaching that place where you can just you know express exactly how you're feeling and uh, actually just trying to make the instrument talk you know in a in a sort of aspect you know i think of i think of notes as like words and you know you could say you can everybody can play or say you know the say the words you know say like like everybody doing good tonight, or they can say everybody doing good tonight. You know, <laughs> you know, just that, yeah. that kind of yeah. You've nailed the detail of, in it. The difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have the yeah. you know the punctuation or, or whatever you call it. You know, have that present. You know, oh, it's it's, it's the same you, thing. You bang on, and and I do in my role. I, I it's not really a role. I do this. I don't get paid for it, of course. God, he gets paid for doing indie journalism. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I. I I, I have formed the same opinion you have. So I, I reviewed the Deerside album, you know, the band Deerside today, and there's something mm. just lacking there, and I'll need to live with it a bit longer, but the nature of the beast is you've got to sort of do the review fairly quickly before the album comes out to entice people to sort of yeah. check it out and all the rest of it. But Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's. I listened to a, a bloke like Michael Schenker. He's very yeah. believable. Very believable. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, incredible what he does, and I'd love. I, I spoke to his singer Robin McCauley, you know, the fellow that had sung yeah. with him for many years, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, Robin's an excellent artist in his own right, so you don't feel that comfortable talking about Michael when you're talking to Robin, who's a very accomplished singer. But I'd love to talk yeah. to Michael and really get yeah. the down low on what got him going because I think he's a very sensitive soul as well. He's been in a yeah. few bands and had a few projects, so. He's one of those guys that every note that he plays, he does more with one note, for example, than a lot of guys do with an entire bloody page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that way about... Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, especially also with, like, B.B. King and, and, you know, mm. Albert King, you know, those uh, those guitarists, you know. And, and of course, Paul Kostoff from Free. Oh, know, yeah. That's one of my mm. favorite guitarists, you know. And I, I play way faster than these guys, and I... I I never. I sometimes I have to stop myself, and I'm like, ah, I'm playing way too many notes here, and uh, try to uh, try to uh, make every note count a little, a little more, you know. But like, you know, you can just hear, you know, when those guys, you know, how they bend the bend the strings, how they, you know, how they how they attack the instrument is just like, you know, you know, it, it's very believable. It's just kind of like uh, the guitar is just like an extension of them, you know, mm. and like. And also just, you know, B.B. King says, I've said this a few times, probably Yngwie Malmsteen will find me and kill me. But uh, but I think B.B. <laughs> King says more with one note than, you know, a whole Yngwie Malmsteen album. You know? Yeah, Yngwie's had, had a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of comments about that. And I think in part, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Yngwie and I've seen him live a couple mm. of times, a couple of tours that he's done down here since I've been over 18 and I could go to them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's a bit too much ego in his performance, and that's what makes it not so believable, I think, with Yngwie, because he can yeah, bloody exactly, play, yeah. but he doesn't of need course, to be such course. an egomaniac. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i not taking away that it, he's, it takes a lot of talent to play like that, but at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, if you keep getting hit in the head, you know, in, on the head, and just it just kind of just becomes one long kind of like, just like dribble, you know, just kind of get desensitized for it when you hear Four thousand notes in the first one minute, then you're just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, cool, <laughs> and you're just kind of back off. At least I do. You know, I can only speak for myself, but you know, well, no, you're not wrong. It's it's uh, the first four mm-hmm. albums, uh, or three up to, uh, you know, so so uh, the first one is it Rising, then um, yeah, so. God, I'm going off my old memory here. Rising, uh, Marching Out, which I think Marching Out is his best in my view. I love that album, and then Trilogy. Oh, yeah. I think he nailed those three, but then after that. I could. Yeah. I pretty much have packed it in. I only listened to those three albums. Yeah, exactly. There are some artists that are like that. Have the first few just completely down. I think one of the best example, like one of my, yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite bands is Captain Beyond. Uh, there, uh, it was uh, it's the seventies seventies band that didn't, you know, weren't particularly popular. They were on the same management as the oh, what was it, the Shalalas or something like a ridiculous. Thing, but they were like a really cool progressive hard rock band, and mm. uh, you know, and and their first album is just absolutely killer, you know, and that that album just blew my mind. And then I just started listening to the other albums, and I was like, is this the same band? You know, it just didn't really 
add up, you know. You know, it's, it's weird how some people just finish like they have some magic and they just make make one thing that's just absolutely amazing, and then one or two or three, and then just just kind of withers away. Yeah, yeah, a lot of bands are like that. Ner- yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's probably the most nerve wracking thing about making music i think you know but i don't try to think about it at all just try to like keep it interesting for myself and that's how i see it but you know but like knowing that that's a very like a possibility you know one day you can just start to make some dribble and think it's okay (laughs) well i think i think okay so bowie i think got it right by constantly reinventing himself so i think that's how he got around it but he's a He's as much a magician as he is an, as an artist. Okay, so yes, chameleon. Exactly. So yeah. he he can do that. But his his because I like to think of I go very broad when I start thinking about things, particularly as a musician. I start I love the idea of musicians collaborating with people that are potentially in a very different musical space than what they're in. Now, yeah, exactly. I, I love a lot of French house music. So Daft mm. Punk, Cassius. I'd love to see you yeah. do some work with Thomas Bangletier from Daft Punk or even the guys from Cassius. I think that's oh. a collaboration that would be beautiful to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because, like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be open for everything like that, you know. And, uh, you know, I think also just, <clears throat> yeah, so as you said, sometimes the, like, most unlikely unlikely combination of people just make really interesting stuff. Example, For example, uh, uh the Black Keys worked for worked with uh, Danger Mouse um, for right. the last I don't know four albums or something like that. Really, it's okay, like a yeah. hip hop hip hop producer or something like that, I think. And uh, and but you know, and he brought a lot of interesting stuff to the table and did a really interesting sound. You know, uh, just did a really uh, how do you say it? Just like a you know a world, uh, kind of like a world of sound that didn't really wouldn't really normally make sense for you know rock but just kind of makes sense you know so you know i mm. think that's one of the interesting uh, combinations of it's hard yeah it's it's really hard to especially as an artist in in your position i think because you you i know you're not just starting out but a lot of you, you you're going to go to new territories like the us where the perception is you're going to be starting out or you're breaking into that yeah market there exactly and yeah people like identifiably uh, they like product that they can identify very easily. So you go to the supermarket, you buy a can of Coke, you know what you're buying. People are like yeah. that with music. They tend to bloody replicate the most simple thing in their life and put it across to everything else. And exactly. music isn't like yeah. that. Music is constantly changing and it's evolving, but it's really hard to break into a market that you're not you're not already in if you don't already have yeah. a catalogue of identifiable music behind you. And then that sort of boxes exactly. you into producing music that you're currently doing. So as soon as you experiment, you get hit with you're a sellout or we don't know what the hell you're doing yeah. here or whatever it might be. And artists constantly face that. That's It's a struggle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not meant for people to make the same <clears throat> album again and again after they have a hit, you know, like, oh, I loved you know, I don't, I don't uh, like, I don't know, rumors or something with Fleetwood Mac, and they, oh, yeah. and like, and like, but the, like the last album they did after that, Tusk is like completely That's different, different. And that kind of stuff, and mm. yeah, more experimental and that kind of stuff, and you know, I think also with us, you know, like every album, we, we try out something different, have a different take on things, and try to make it interesting for ourselves, you know, you know, and uh, and it's uh, it's gonna be interesting seeing like you know. I think probably some people that were used to the uh, previous album are probably going to think like, you know, they're definitely going to, I think, probably appreciate the new album. But probably there are some aspects on that that they weren't expecting. And, you know, I think I think it's uh, a good thing to, like, get your like fan base used to that you're trying out new stuff, you know, especially with us, because we haven't had like a a hit album at all. So, you know, uh, I think doing a lot of different stuff within you know there's some like I, even on the new album there's some al green uh al green the uh, slash bootsy collins reference nice. like uh, mm. uh like uh kind of a i wouldn't say a reference but just like an inspiration like we drew some inspiration from those guys in so, in one of the songs you know so we try to like uh try, try to keep it interesting in that aspect. You're right, actually. That's another... That's an avenue for you guys, actually, because I really like Beck as well. And Beck Mm. identified very early on via an album called Odelay. You might have have this album, really good album from 1996, that taking taking the slacker elements of funk can work really well. So a lot of guys like Bootsy and 
I've got a big block-mounted frame poster here of um, Barry Graham from Sly and the Family Stone. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. he was also Prince's bass player for a while as well. Uh, being a bass guitarist, I guess they're my heroes, but they've got a very upbeat cadence, and I try to reference that. But with you yeah. guys taking the slacker elements of funk and almost inducing a bit of a country element, so work with me here when I say that, because I know it sounds like it's polar mm. opposites, but especially yeah. for the way that you play guitar, because you're a very accomplished guitarist. You could actually pull that off. Thank you. Thank you. That was very nicely put. Thank you. But, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all all possible for sure. I mean, it's, uh, but, yeah, sorry, I, I've kind of lost train of thought. No, that's all right. No, that's all right. No, no, that's all, you know, you it's uh, compliments are, are only issued when they're due. Believe me, I don't don't issue them too mm. much. I've actually had a really good night with interviews. Um, I interviewed. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm going to get his pronounce his name wrong here because he's from Norway. Um, Grutel uh, Kielsen from Enslaved. So I spoke to him. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I just spoke to him before I spoke to yourself, and so he's in Norway. Mm. Um, yeah. I hope I'm. God, I hope he's not from Sweden. I hope he's from Norway. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Yeah, he's from Norway. He's from Nor <laughs> he's from go. Norway. Yeah. And, from Norway, yeah. There you go. And I spoke to Frederick Leclerc, who's in uh, Sinsanum. And there, of course, got, yeah. uh, Joey, Jord Joey Jordison from Slipknot in the band. But really, oh. really, a bit like, like the conversation we're having now, really good, really in-depth conversations about music, knowledgeable musicians who really give a shit about mm. their craft and want to yeah. really be engaging during the conversation and the like. So, no, it's uh, I've spoken to three really bloody... Good musicians at the top of their game tonight. It doesn't always happen that way, to be honest with you. So, no, yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you speak to artists and they don't. I wouldn't say they don't care, but it's just another interview. Yeah, let's just get through. Yeah, it. I'll give you this answer exactly. and then get to yeah. the next one. They have the stock stock answers ready and go go for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you find yeah. How do you find the interviews with the international media? Is it is it say so I get the feedback from people because I, I talk to people from all over the world, obviously um, mm. that. The English and the Australians are fairly similar. Do you find that, or are we are we different and unto ourselves, or are we just like everybody else? I don't know. I mean, I think <clears throat> it's a bit more, you know, free flowing, and it doesn't feel like you know, it just has a kind of. I just feel like I'm just chatting to an old friend or something like that. You know, it's cool. not yeah. not like a, okay. So, what was the inspiration for the new album? And it's like, and it's like, oh, it's this and this, and then like. Okay, sometimes some of the some like some of the uh, some of the European media can be a little bit like that. It's very dry, but yeah, but yeah, I would say, yeah, I, like yeah, I'm very much enjoying this. So that's that's cool. That's always good when you just kind of get lost in the in the conversation and just yeah. keep it going like that. Yeah. But I mean, well, of course, the, uh, of course, it makes sense to go to all the uh, you know all, all the uh, more obvious questions and that kind of stuff. That's always it's always, you know, makes sense, you know, for the promotion and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does, yeah. Actually, I was talking to, this is a while ago, I was talking to Aaron from the band Underoath. He also performs in Paramore and he um, mm. he was, because he spends quite a bit of, when he comes to Australia, he tends to spend quite a bit of time here going surfing. And I said, look, yeah. who gives you the toughest interviews? And he was saying, where's the effect of the Germans do? Because what they do is, is there's not a lot of tact there and there's not a great deal of humour and they say well no. your last album was pretty shit but you seem to have rectified it with this album here what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that sort yeah, of thing yeah. is very confrontational they don't mean to be of course it's just the nature no. of being German I suppose you know exactly I think so yeah I mean like even like it's also really interesting just speaking with some German fans sometimes because it's just like because like yeah they they, they're like, yeah, new, uh, like when we did, like, because there's a bit of a difference between the album we made called Voyage and uh, Arrival. Arrival was a bit more, uh, decided to experiment a bit more with, like, prog rock, so it got a little bit heavy and a little, like, mm -hmm. you know, a little dark at times. And uh, I think uh, the feel-good heavy metal rocker or, like, whatever, you know, that kind of type didn't really get some of it. So, like, I remember mm -hmm. at least, at least two German fans coming up to, to to me and were like, "Yeah, new album. Don't get it. Don't like it. But Voyage, great." <laughs> They're just kind of like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> just like very upfront about what they like and don't like. But like, but that's you know that's cool. You know, I mean, they're at least very honest. You know, uh, I appreciate yeah. that actually. 
Yeah, so that was your arrival was your first album for Nuclear Blast. So did they did they issue any instructions to you about the direction that they felt you should go toward, or were you just left completely to your own devices to produce something? Yeah, it was definitely just all all us, you know. And I don't think they could have swayed us from doing anything else than that, you know, because mm. uh, you know. I, so they they re-released uh, the 2012 album uh, Voyage in 2014, and uh, that album I think it did probably yeah it, it did better i think uh you know and we just really you know but with arrival we just really wanted to experiment and see what we uh like kind of dwell into that kind of complex proggy kind of thing you know i think yeah and uh and but with a new album i think you know you know i think we kind of just took what we learned from those two albums and put uh, like especially yeah yeah took yeah i mean we also did an album in iceland you know one that wasn't released outside of Iceland. So, yeah, I mean... I that guess was the we, first one, you know, wasn't it? The, the yeah, title yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's like, you know, we just made 1,000 copies of that one and just uh, it's kind of sold out. So, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I say, I found a few copies the other day. But, yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, we just kind of drew inspiration from... No, no, like, we just kind of learned from those albums and, you know... So, I mean, we haven't really gotten any instruction from anyone to... I mean, of course... You know the the typical label thing to say is like, we need a hook, we need something catchy, you know, we need a hit song, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah. It was kind of funny the first time uh, we heard that, of course, you know, because like we were in, uh, I don't know, we were meeting with somebody from the label and they were like, yeah, the new album, it's it's dark or something like that. And they were like, oh, it's a little, 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 and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's sure like is. It. It was like, yeah, yeah, it's like hard to sell. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and we're like. Uh, and like, yeah, we need more hits. And, and that when I when I heard we need more hits, I was like, oh, this is so. I thought it was kind of funny. It's kind That's of a cliche, isn't it? You know? Yeah, stereotypical. Yeah, it's yeah cliche, very. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. So, but you know, I don't think we really, we didn't really, you know, uh, we felt some pressure. Of course, we were like, oh, do we have to do so? And then we were like, ah, fuck it, let's just do what we do, and uh, and we did it. And I'm really just happy about how the new album came about. You know how it came out. Yeah. Really so have you got have you got an album by album deal with Nuclear Blast or is it a block thing where you've got a few more albums to to release with them? Yeah, I think it was three albums we signed up for. It was in 2013, so this is our second, second full yeah. release. Uh, maybe it's I, mean, I don't know if the re-release counted as a one release, but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. But it's uh, but we're we're enjoying the uh, the. Uh, we're enjoying working with them a lot. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I haven't had good. any. I haven't heard any bad things. Sometimes what happens is I tell the the artist that I'm interviewing the interviews over, and they go, "Hang on a sec, I'll tell you really what happened, but you've got to promise not to tell anybody." Sometimes that yeah. happens, but I've never heard anything bad about Nuclear Blast. You know no, 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 yeah, I haven't. No, I've, yeah. I've heard. I had a really good chat to Heidi from Pristine about her experiences with them and. And it was very positive. Yeah. Um, and they're a similar band to you guys, as you know, in terms of it's not metal. It's sort of to the side. It's a blues thing. And yeah. um, so you're going to attract a different a different fan base. But they'd know that before they sign you guys. They'd know that you're not Slayer, for yeah. God's sakes, or, or Anthrax exactly. or something. And you're not exactly. going to produce a thrash yeah. metal record with a, a big no. anthem on it. It's not you guys. And to, no. to shoehorn no. you in and do It's not like what happened to Celtic Frost in the bloody 80s, where noise no, records yeah. were forcing them that? to... I didn't. Well, what happened? Yeah, what happened? This is what I understand. Okay, so um, from my own reading, and this is my own readings taken from all sorts of different sources on the web, because God help us, where else do we get our information from these days? But yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Look, I think they were releasing very, as you know, very complex avant-garde music that could veer from classical compositions to slightly thrashy stuff. You know, mm. then some black metal stuff, and then wailing and all sorts of weird stuff, and people. The, the the media had trouble categorizing them. What are you? Are you mm. thrash? Are you proto death metal like what Possessed and yeah. and Death the band from Florida is doing? What are you guys? And yeah. Noise Records, I think, just being a business, are going. You guys need to be more easy to understand and more easy. You need to need to be identifiable. So you guys have got to start producing some music which fits into a certain category. So then they came out with Cold Lake. Now I don't mind Cold Lake in 1988. That was mm. released. It's the photos are terrible, and I think that's what most people uh, who have an issue with the band because they look like poison or something from that era. Oh, and huh. you can see that you can see one of like because these aren't regular Celtic Frost members. You got Thomas Gabriel Fisher, 
and that's mm. it. The other guys, I think, weren't it like Martin Eric Ain, the fellow who unfortunately passed away last year or a couple of years ago, who was typically oh. his right-hand man on base. He'd stepped out of the band completely by then. No idea about the reason why, but I imagine it was in frustration. And yeah. and Thomas had bought in these guys by the name of Kurt Victor Bryant and a few other guys, but they look like glam rockers. And there's one of these ridiculous yeah. photos where you can see one of the guy's pubes, like... You can see his chest hair, his stomach hair merging into his pubes. It's, it made it's terrible. You can look oh, it up online. Great. It's it's a really. Great, great. I didn't pick it up for years until I started <laughs> reading about the the real issues that people have with it, and it's what they look like. The music's there, yeah. though. Truth be told, like the music's not it's not avant garde. It's fairly straightforward. But I used to yeah. listen to it when I was going to the gym quite a bit. But look, that's mm. they and and I don't think Thomas Fisher. Without speaking for him, this is only my my perception of things. You know, I don't think he's ever gotten over the way the band was treated back then, because they, yeah. they they can never reform because Martin Eric Ain's dead. He's passed away. Yeah, I see. And yeah, uh, I exactly. spoke to Peter Tagtron from Hypocrisy, from you know the Swedish musician. He produced their last mm. album, and yeah. uh, which was uh, Monotheist. And we talked a lot about not the politics. We didn't get into that, but I just wanted to know his take on what what he wanted to do with the band and. The band mm. were very, very serious when they went into the studio to try to do that. And I don't know whether they got the response that they thought because it was a different again, but what else were Celtic Frost were going to do? They never come out with the same thing twice. No, and, exactly. And it's just, I, I think that they were they were an extreme band, a band that was a band for the underground, a band that was for real heavy metal fans, if you like. And the record yeah. company effectively told them to be something else and it just didn't quite work. And consequently, yeah. I think potentially we've lost as an audience two or three solid albums of material that could have been released if they were given more artistic freedom. Yeah, exactly. I mean, let's, I mean, I mean, uh, one of my favorite bands ever, like Rush, I mean, they had that mm. kind of uh, pressure, you know, they, they released an album uh, called Caress of Steel and that was like a very like two songs that are over 10 minutes and uh, that kind of stuff and uh, and uh, and they were like trying they were like be they were just uh, yeah the uh, record label were like just be like bad company or something like that and they were like no yeah. and they, and then they made their like like most famous well probably yeah their one of their most famous albums uh, 2112 mm -hmm. and that album just you know blew everybody away and just kind of gave them their own, own right to just speak their minds and make license. the music they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> so, those, I mean, that's unfortunate, don't you think, that those days are gone? I mean, I'm not one of those guys who thinks yesteryear yeah. was better than now. You know, love the good old days. I've never been like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is an element yeah. of truth, I suppose, in it a little bit in that in that a band, as someone as confident as yourself behind the instrument, you know, in, in bands used to get given so much money back then that they didn't know mm. what to do with it. And, of course, it was a very different investment scenario from record companies' perspective back then than it is today. So yeah, you really had to be confident, like as though you were running a company back then and say, I've got this, leave me alone, let's do this. Because if you yeah. didn't do it, then you'll probably drop from your record label and your career effectively ended. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a totally different ball game right now. So it's uh, probably kind of good difficult to even kind of, you know, compare the two. Different times, I think. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's different for sure. What do you think? Yeah. I'll, I'll make this about my last question, mate, because I know you've look, you've been a champion for talking to me this much. It's been a fascinating chat, by the way. But um, oh, yeah, I've been talking for almost an hour, mate, and I don't want to keep it too long, given you've had uh -huh. such an ordeal with the um, with the airline. But what what do you think is the is the best medium to listen to your music? So, for example, in my home here, I've got a cassette player. I've got an L, mm. like a record player. I've got a CD player, and I've also got my MP3s here. What what do, what would you prefer yeah. in a perfect world for people to consume your music via? I mean, vinyl is always for me. I mean, it's the most. I'm quoting Josh Homme here, but uh, the most uh, romantic way to uh, to experience music. You know, just the kind of. I'm a, I'm a, I collect vinyl myself, and uh, I would like people to experience. My like the music we make uh, in the same sort of way because like yeah I mean it's, it, especially the new album it's very you know dynamic and you know and uh, uh, hmm. war it's warm sounding without you know but it's also punchy and uh, so it's kind of you know so I think vinyl would be a really good platform for that you know hmm. just love love the fact that you can kind of just control it you can just you have the sleeve you can just kind of like just kind of like you can look like if it's a good album cover you can just kind of listen to the album and just kind of 
especially when you were a kid, you can just kind of just kind of make the, your own kind of world and your own interpretation yeah. of the album cover and all that kind of stuff when you just kind of delve into it. I think that's one of the best things about it. You know, well, having spoken. something spinning in front of you. Yeah, well, that's what I try to do with my yeah. kids, mate. I try I, in the morning when they wake up, you'd see they put on a, a CD, a record, or a cassette. You know, take your pick. Mm. I've got a few, and uh, people send me things, and I just yeah, take which one you like and put it on, and get the kids involved and engage that way rather than looking at. You know, father was probably a while away for you, but I've got two daughters, and it's mate, yeah. it's so hard these days with computers, meaning uh, iPhones and iPads. Mate, yeah, exactly. they're just addicted to them, and you f it's such a struggle with them, particularly yeah, my eldest. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I spoke to my, uh, I went to the guitar school that I used to be in when I was, uh, what, age 10 to 16? Yeah. And, uh, uh, until they kicked me out. No, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but uh, but they, <clears throat> I, uh, I went there, and they were telling me that, like, you know, that they were getting, like, a, like, a lot less of kids coming in because like and, and he kind of said like they felt the kids were like oh kind of felt it was kind of like a you know struggle to actually have to hold down strings and like oh, it kind of hurts when i'm touching my ipad it doesn't hurt and like oh, and that kind of yeah. that kind of yeah kind of mental uh that was kind of how they saw it so i mean i think it's kind of yeah it was also affecting that because like they could be like i just have an app and i could just press c and it plays c or something you know and uh, yeah. you know so I, he told me that that kind of that kind of thing was actually having an effect on on kids that were coming in and just finding it to be a struggle you know to play it oh, shit yeah i know it's shit yeah, yeah. it is what yeah. it is mate we can't control the world we can only no you know no exactly yeah, i'm, I'm too yeah. young to be like to saying damn kids like, <laughs> like yeah so well, give it yeah. time, mate. Yeah, all of the pressures of yeah. fatherhood, they're all there waiting for you. And give it give it time for that to happen too. Don't rush into it, believe me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> you know. Well, thanks very much, Oscar. I really appreciate it. This has been a fascinating chat. Oh, yeah. Really appreciate yeah, your candor yeah, all the way through the it. Yeah. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a conversation between myself and Oscar from the band The Vintage Caravan. Thank you so much for listening.